Watch me at the Oscars. Side effects may include laughter, tears, urge to have a party with friends, ability to critique beautiful women in expensive gowns. If you have a smile lasting more than three or four hours, don't call a doctor. It's completely normal. Hello, and welcome to the Spoiler Guys podcast. Today, we're going to attempt to steal the spotlight from Ellen DeGeneres and spoil Hollywood's Night of Nights by bringing you our pick for the Oscars. The suited and resplendent, as always, are my Spoiler Guys. Hello, Giles Hardy. I'd like to thank God. Um, I'd like to thank my mother and I'd like to thank my father. Um, I'd like to do all of those things, but they're not going to give me a bloody award. So I'm not going to get to do any of it. So I'm going to take my bat and ball and go and play cricket. And and be on this podcast. Wonderful. And Mark Fennell. Hello, Mark. You like me. You really like me. No. Hello, how are you? No one crying. has said that. <laughs> you invited me onto the podcast to talk about awards. You must like me a little bit. I love what you're wearing, Mark. Who are you wearing? I am mostly uh, nothing. No, I do this podcast naked, <laughs> and because we all do it in separate houses, none of you can tell, but I will say this, I am definitely the most comfortable here. <laughs> now, before we battle over our winners, let me ask, what are your Oscar traditions, Giles Hardy? Um, watch. I, I, I've, I've realised that I am, I, I am no longer ashamed of the fact that I love uh, watching the Oscars. I, um, I was backpacking in, you know, the 1999 and couldn't believe when I was in Europe somewhere that not only, you know, would I struggle to find a television, but even if I had, I, can't, I was in a major European country and they weren't even bothering to broadcast the Oscars as it was on in the middle of, you know, a reasonable hour. I can't remember what it was. And I just, I realised then that I've always just enjoyed awards shows more than the average bear. Uh, and um, I look And you've quite, live blogged them too, right? I have live blogged them before this year. I'll probably just be live tweeting or something. Um, I enjoy the bits that other people often dislike. I was really disappointed last year when they dropped performances of the original songs. Yet I know a lot of people find um, the all singing, all dancing awards a, a bad thing so uh yeah my tradition is to uh to we well, used to be to be slightly ashamed of how much i really enjoyed the oscars but now i'm out and proud i love the oscars i just want neil patrick <laughs> harris to host it. them mm. oh amen to that and mark i'm assuming it's all about the red carpet for you <laughs> i just love sequence what can i say uh i I've all, i i think i'm very similar to giles i have vivid memories of uh desperately wanting to stay up and watch the oscars as a kid and uh, mum coming out and just yelling at me, going, don't you have work to do? I'm like, no, the Oscars are on. Do you not understand what this means to me? And that was the beginning of the end of my relationship with my mum. But it was the beginning of my lifelong love affair with stupid-ass award shows that I, that, that, that I, I adore. I just, I, does it, like, we can, and I know we're going to get into, like, the, the, the politics of it and the vagaries of how things get voted on and, and buzz building and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes down to it, even... When you know that stuff, it's still fun. It's like in the same way yeah. that, like, a, a, you know, the lists are fun. They are it, that, put, pitching together movies that often really shouldn't be compared because they're so freaking different. There's something fun about that and unfair and horrible, but also fun, mostly fun. I'm going to go with fun. <laughs> You're going to go with fun. How about you, Alice? Um, what are your Oscars traditions? Are you a seat warmer from way back? <laughs> <laughs> a seat warmer? I would... How cool would it be to be a seat warmer at the totally. Oscars? I would totally do that. Um, no, I am totally spoilt though because my my dear friend and wonderful food writer Tori Hashka does an Oscars feast every year. So not only does she create a dish representative of, of each Best Picture nominee, 
uh, she then serves them up for a lucky few at an Oscars screening. And it's amazing. I will link to her recipes from this year. What has she got? She has uh, blackberry buckle for 12 Years a Slave. She has meatloaf with beer braised onion gravy for Nebraska. Oh, I love this one. She's got Somalian spiced fish cooked in crazy water. For Captain Phillips. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, is Wolf of Wall Street just like quaaludes suspended in jelly? Wolf oh. of Wall Street is dirty martini sashimi. So you, we might as well go through it. Hold on. What is Philomena? <laughs> <laughs> Philomena is brandy soused brack. Do I even know what With brandy soused brack is? With a sauce of tears. Yeah. <laughs> with all the tears. And then American Hustle is Brussels sprout gratin. So oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Does the American Hustle one, do, they, does, do you have to cook it in the science oven? Yeah, the science oven. oven. Oh my god, I love the science oven. I only now refer to a microwave as a science science oven oven now. (laughs) Anyway, point is, she's amazing. I'm I'm so sad not to be in Sydney to be at the Oscars feast, but I will link to her recipes so that you can cook along with me and do a much poorer job at it, but still get some Oscars feasting in. Can we go, um, can okay. Giles and I go, like, represent for you <laughs> and eat all the I'm cranky food. because I know Tori and have done for years and I've never been invited to the lunch. <laughs> Uh-oh, I've outed you, Tori. Sorry, sorry. I'll send you, I'll send you along uh, as my, yeah, as my emissaries. Um, okay, now let's talk awards. But before we get to the big four, you know, the actor, actress, director, picture, let me ask you guys, which of the smaller, dare I say, second-tier categories do you guys get super excited about? Music. Best song. Definitely best song. Ah, yeah. you're both the same. You're all about the music. Yeah, it's all about, you know, the, the performance on the night and um, getting the music. I, I have a horrendous fear we're going to see Bono on stage that's just yeah it was it was it was bad enough at the Golden Globes it was so freaking saccharine uh it just yeah it it was I know I I mean I I actually don't have a problem with Bono or you two I I like them but I find that when they start giving speeches um my brain starts going do you know other Oscar exception speeches are intellectual and interesting by comparison to this definitely no one will disagree with you on that fun also, he's got so, us learn to take off those fucking tinted glasses. Seriously, it's not. That's never going to happen. Come on. Oh. So you, usually you like the songs, but this year you're a bit trepidatious. That's what I'm hearing. No, because I think with any luck, um, Disney will get it for Frozen, uh, and you know and what the- that that is wicked winning a musical uh, award, as far as I'm concerned, because it really feels like wicked when uh, they're up there. So the song choices this year are all quite. I actually, to be honest with you, I have not heard. Ordinary Love from Long Divine, but the, I've heard the other three, which is Happy from Despicable Me 2, which is a huge pop hit, like a massive, massive, massive pop hit. Uh, the Moon Song from her, which is really beautiful, but Let It Go, it's just, it's like instantly being transported, being eight years old, hearing like, the, you know, The Lion King or, or uh, The Little Mermaid for the wicked. first time. And yes, Wicked, absolutely Wicked. Like, it, it, you know, <laughs> I played it on a loop after I saw it. And I think I would honestly be happy if, if, if that or uh, Happy, I would be happy if Happy won either. I think because Happy is, it's a good song and it's a, it's a nice pop song. I, you know, it, but, you know, Let It Go just kind of, it's such an authentic piece of music from that world and that particular kind of filmmaking that we actually don't get that much of, you know. Like we don't get mm-hmm. that kind of film, that kind of musical on the big screen anymore. And I would like more. 
All right. So you guys love the music. How about I you, Alice? Are you a you. Docker girl? I no. Okay, I am a Docker girl. I am a Docker girl. But the one that I always want to see. I'm such a sucker for the costumes. Uh, you guys are all about the music. I'm all about the costumes. Usually, Colleen Atwood seems to always win, and always. she always looks fabulous getting up on stage. But I'm always a sucker for the best costume design. And of course, the one that that I'm really you know always just completely gunning for are the writers. Like I always yeah. want to see. Um, for this year, I do want Best Adapted to go to Before Midnight. I just that would be amazing if that happened. Um, and I do really wonder for Best uh, Original if Woody is going to win for Blue Jasmine after the, all of the controversy. But it will be interesting to see. But I'm always keen to to see the writers, and I always hope that they come up and say something fabulous. But often they're just super awkward people like us i'm just going to briefly run a defense uh of of my selection which is that i I, and this is not to sound too uh you know uh, awful but i don't consider the uh writing awards to be the secondary awards i i in in my mind they are the uh they're the the beginning of the proper well not proper but the the main awards so i do love the writing awards as well but i certainly think that they're um they also tend to be used as a great way to uh, give a consolation prize to uh, the films that they otherwise can't uh, bring it to. I think, according to the bookies, um, I don't know how much joy you're going to have um, because uh, you know this always happens. Yeah, the, I, uh, Blue Jasmine is certainly not a favourite. Her is the uh, outstanding favourite for original screenplay. I'm okay with that because I don't think her is going to get much else except maybe a music award, ironically. Uh, but I. I do think that that's a pretty likely one. And um, I think, look, I actually think for Adapted, I, I really would like almost any of them to get it because I think Philomena, um, they did such a great job on the adaptation, uh, you know, for, for that. And uh, 12 Years a Slave, obviously, uh, look, I, if it's going to do any kind of sweep, it's going to have to start there. Uh, so, right. But um, I think okay. I'd, be, I'd be surprised if Before Midnight got it, but I would love to see it. The other thing I quite like about the Oscars is the, the kind of the inevitability of the visual effects award each year. Because, like, it, yeah. every, most years, it's so obvious. It's so unbelievably obvious who's going to win. Like, do you remember the year when it was like, obviously it's going to be Lord of the Rings. Obviously it's going to be Avatar. And I think, I, I just feel really bad if you happen to work on The Hobbit this year because you were just like, we had to have a film out in the year of gravity, didn't we? How fucking cheap yeah. our lives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's a good question though because you know last year they had the controversy with Life of Pi and the filmmakers getting cut off midway through saying, "Hey, we just won this award, but we're actually going bankrupt and VFX artists aren't getting any money." And oh dear. So, do you think there's going to be a, a recap of that, or or Gravity's just going to win it and they're going to say thank you? Yes, this was kind of eight years in the making and. Cheers. Yeah, uh, that'd be interesting. Well, I, the, the issue with um, with the people that won for Life of Pi is that they won and then the next day uh, that company announced that they were retrenching a whole bunch of people. So there was something particularly cruel about the, the layout there. But there are broader issues. And to be honest, when it comes to the visual effects industry, without getting too signed light on that point, because we've covered it a couple of times on download, is basically that they are experiencing globalism. Basically, their mm. skill set, uh, as being shifted overseas because other countries... Very transferable. Yeah, and the, the I guess the only change there is that um, up until quite recently, all of the innovation has remained in the States. But I don't think that's true anymore. I think there are visual effects companies, very competitive, that are innovating, obviously, in New Zealand, being an, you know, a blatantly obvious example, but all over the world. And I think it's just become a very 
very, very, very competitive thing. And I, I, I do oh, feel bad. Shout out for Australia as well. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I meant to say that, but I didn't, sorry. Um, and I think it's because yeah, you hate us. It's very com- I'm un Australian. It's, it's competitive and it's going to get more competitive. And because they don't have union representation like actors and, and, and teamsters and stuff like that in the same way, uh, they're getting fucked. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's go to the actors and teamsters. <laughs> because and... they also get fucked. I actually would love it if there was a best teamster Oscar. Uh... <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I it looks so good in Versace. <laughs> the other quick one I always love seeing is the best animated feature, and that's yeah. where I really hope the crudes. Well, I don't know. I, I no mean, chance in hell. Despicable Me. No, no it, chance but in I hell. Kind of, frozen my frozen, chance... frozen oh. is the Kate Blanchett of the animated uh, category. It is. <laughs> the, I, the, the song is not a lock, but I, I will I, I will lick an ice ice cube if uh, Frozen doesn't win that Oscar because you know that's such a given. You are setting those stakes well, okay, so low. I will lick an ice yeah, cube. I know, but I, I know this thing's actually being recorded. <laughs> okay, so we we did love Crudes when we talked about yeah. it. Though, so you guys can go back and and listen to that podcast. Um, this always happens to me with Oscars, by the way. I have, and so, you know, Tori the, at the Oscars feast that I mentioned, we do a ballot every year as well. And I'm always torn between the ones that I know are going to win and the ones that I want to win. And then I decide, I try and figure out, like, I want to do two ballots. I want to do, yeah, okay, so this is going to, this is going to make me win the Oscars ballot competition because this is what's actually going to win. But in my heart of hearts, I want this to win. And I'm always torn between the two. I actually preferred Frozen. Um, I I loved the Croods, but I really adored Frozen. I think it is a uh, a more polished uh, cartoon. Plus, you know, it uh, it's more girl power. Uh, I remember you were very angry about the girl power aspects of the Croods for for true, many many true. many conversations uh, about the Croods. <laughs> I actually, and I haven't seen The Wind Rises yet, so I haven't seen Miyazaki. Well, so that's the thing. It's, Miyazaki, it's Miyazaki's final film, which I'm sure in any mm. other competition would mean something, except this is the Oscars and it doesn't, uh, unfortunately. Um, but it's funny, with the debate between The Croods and Frozen, I, I love Frozen. I think it's a fantastic film. But I think the visual inventiveness of The Croods is far stronger. And what would be nice, actually, is if, if, we, were, if we were talking about an animation-specific award, I would say The Croods deserves best direction, best art direction, uh, and maybe and, – and, and, and you could split it down those terms. But I think, you know, it, like you said, it's a, it's a total lock. It's, it's Frozen, top to toe. Okay, that's fine. All right, what what else are locks? If we're looking at the best actor and best actress, are those are those sorted, or do you think Matthew McConaughey might actually have a chance in best actor? Well, I was going to say best, uh, best best supporting best supporting actor. I would say is a lock with uh, Jared Leto. That would be my guess. The okay, the the only ones that I think you can say are absolute locks, and and I'm gonna touch wood here uh, is Kate, <laughs> uh, best actress, which yep. is weird because it was a category that looks so. Uh, so hard to pick at the beginning of award season because there were so many good performances. Uh, it is just clearly, uh, you know, and and she seems to have risen above the Woody Allen uh, politics uh, that's happening in the states at the moment. That doesn't seem to have affected her chances. Um, I think uh, any chance Blue Jasmine had of Woody Allen winning the uh, the script award has 
gone to dust. They're not going to do yeah. that now. Uh, but I don't – look, it's, it's really weird. I still don't quite understand why the BAFTAs completely ignored Dallas Buyers Club because what it meant is that the BAFTAs were – which are the last awards before and it's just as the final round of voting opens. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're a weird indicator for actor and supporting actor because you would assume, based on the BAFTAs, that Chua de Legefort is the – favourite. A, he's British, which always means that he's got a better chance of the BAFTAs. But also, he's not the favourite. Matthew McConaughey is, with the bookmakers, considerably uh, the favourite, as is Jared Leto. But the supporting actor, I think, I don't think you can call that a, a lock at all. I just think there's every chance that they might go back for Fassbender, um, depending on yeah. you know, depending on where people's allegiances are with regards to 12 Years a Slave and what it's getting and not getting. I think Chiwetel is unlikely to get it, in my opinion. I think that is very likely to go to McConaughey. And, uh, yeah, speaking of the of the BAFTAs, Kate Blanchett, speech oh my gosh it totally got me you know here's here's this is for you buddy uh philip seymour hoffman i just think he's certainly going to make make some sort of appearance at at the oscars right the in memoriam section which is you know a i'm a weird person but i love the in memoriam section of the oscars and i think it is going to be a an extraordinary list this year there's some big names that we're going to uh, go through, I think, and inevitably someone will be angry at the end of it. Yeah, it is because of just the sheer nature of who's gone this year. Uh, you are going to have some, um, you know, arguments over who should be last, uh, who should have been included, who shouldn't have been included. Uh, when they mm-hmm. inevitably have Paul Walker as the last person, um, it'll be a, you know, everyone will suddenly be offended that Peter O'Toole missed out or that, uh, you know, so there's some really big names that have gone in the last year. So I think it's going to be a, a, a powerful uh, section of the the awards seriously if they end that memor- in memoriam with paul walker i will be offended i will <laughs> I, I will i will i will lower i will lower my gear stick in in protest nah but it's also unfortunate it's also unfortunate they can't go with playing one of the uh best song options because i don't think let it go is uh the theme <laughs> that they should be running with during the in memoriam Oh, but happy also wouldn't work either. No, I, I think they really might they need to actually have a separate song. And it will be, and be an epic. All right. <laughs> so let's play a game here, right? So this is the thing that everybody always does when they're watching, which is basically, I think I really want Blah Blah to win, but it's probably going to go to these ones. So let's duck back to our actor in a supporting role. Who do you want to win, Alice? And who do you think actually Fast Fassbender. Fassbender. My really? future husband, Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and it sounds like Jared Leto's going to win. Giles? Um, I I think – I actually think the nominations for Best Supporting Actor got it wrong, uh, if that makes any sense. Oh, I think really? there were some really interesting actors who were kind of ignored. I don't, I don't think Jonah Hill was uh, at the right level uh, for an Oscar nomination. I've discussed that in our Wolf of Wall Street episode. So there's only a few – basically, to my mind, I think it is – you know, down to Jared Leto and Michael Fassbender. I thought Barker Abdi was good, but I don't quite mm-hmm. see that. Um, I'd probably – but I think I would say Jared Leto, I both want to win and think will win. Ooh, okay. Mark? I would be totally happy and, frankly, don't mind between Fassbender and Leto. Okay, so then on to Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Giles, who do you want to win? Who do you think should have won? Look, who I... do you think? Sorry, Giles, who do you think <laughs> should win and who do you think will win? See, this is why it's confusing because we're doing we're the spoiler guys and we're actually doing something before time. This is why you're trying to use I the past know. tense. I'm so confused. Um, what do we do? 
Indeed. Look, I I think the supporting actress, it's a tough call to see who's going to get it. Mm. I actually would love to see Sally Hawkins get it. Um, I thought she was fantastic in Blue Jasmine. Um, I actually think the acting almost across the board in Blue Jasmine is great. I mean, I'd, I'd have happily seen Alec Baldwin uh, get a nomination as well. But um, I think I'd probably want to give it to Sally Hawkins. I think... Uh, Although, look, I think it could well go to Lapeta Nyong'o, and I'm certainly not going to uh, begrudge her that. Um, I think that uh, she was, uh, you know, extraordinary and, you know, got beaten uh, for the role. So uh, that's probably uh, a bit she, of... So she shouldn't be beaten for the award. And, look, <laughs> and, and I've got to thank Sorry. you. Wow. Sorry. That's, gosh. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I shouldn't make the jokes. I shouldn't make the jokes. Mark, uh, what about and you? A fi- and a final <laughs> shout-out for Scarlett Johansson oh. as the voice of her, but I don't think she's likely to get it. Oh, that's, no. she, she was good. Um, Science Oven, come on. It's got Jennifer Lawrence is who I want to win it. Like, you know what? Okay, he's my – like, yes, they're all very good. All right, let's just assume. They're all, they're all brilliant, right? Sally Hawkins is excellent, but I will say that Jennifer Lawrence stole – American Hustle, right? She absolutely stole it. Now, that's not necessarily a reason enough to give somebody an Oscar, but I like her and I want her to win an Oscar. Um, <laughs> okay, another I, one, I, another one. I need to say this. I don't understand the love, the level of love for American Hustle. I am totally oh, part of the camp movie, no. that, yeah, I am generally part of the camp that enjoyed that film but do not understand why it has uh, grabbed the uh, love of America and of the Academy nearly as much as it has. I've rewatched it. I think it's it... better than I – like, the first time I saw it, I enjoyed it a lot and then immediately started pulling it apart. And then I rewatched it the other day and I thought, actually, no, I quite, I quite enjoy this. It, it's I rewatched it and thought odd. it was worse. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds like a, a future episode. No, I – I definitely think it was uh, right place, right time. And then interestingly with, you know, the, with the BAFTAs, it seems to be much more the two horse race between 12 years of slave and, and gravity, but it certainly was like, remember right at the beginning it, when it all, all this Oscar, all the awards buzz started happening. It was definitely like American hustle, American hustle, American hustle. And then it really does seem to have faded into third place. For me, I would say, Oh man, I love Science Oven. I love Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. J Law can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, but I'm kind of go, I'm going to go with you, Giles. I think Sally Hawkins was so good in Blue Jasmine. Um, I would love to see her get it. I don't think she will. I think uh, Lupita Nyong'o will get it for Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, yeah, I never got to that part, but I, I oh sorry, no, no, it's not it's not important. I, but I tend to agree. I have a sneaking suspicion Lupita Nyong'o will get it. But if Jennifer Lawrence gets up there, think of all the excellent animated gifts we can get out of her winning another Oscar. <laughs> Come on, people. Think about the gifts. I, I, I'm just going to put it out there. I have this weird feeling we may get some footage of Jennifer Lawrence regardless of whether she wins. Yeah. That is possible. Yeah, she's going to attack someone on a red carpet or something's going to happen. What about best best actor, Giles? Um, look, best actor, I, I, this is particularly where I don't even understand why Christian Bale is nominated. Uh, I genuinely think there was an amazing array of actors who should have been nominated for best actor. I think Robert Redford uh, in All Is Lost is extraordinary. Um, I think that uh, James Gandolfini uh, could have got a... a uh, uh, look in here uh, with a posthumous, but um, I thought Christian Bale, this is not his best role by any stretch. Look, I, I like Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh both his performance and uh, the 
uh, and and as a as an actor generally, I just don't. I think this race comes down to DiCaprio versus McConaughey. Uh, in my mind, both on the shoulds and on what's going to happen. Um, I think I, I have a feeling they love uh, the McConaissance. Uh, <laughs> narrative. I think that uh, McConaughey may will get it, but well, I just actually I wonder if DiCaprio isn't going to steal it just because they finally think he's due, um, and you know the Academy may want to finally uh, you know make him feel one of us. But um, I think I'd say the best performance is McConaughey, just. But I think they're both brilliant and would love it to go to either, and I think he might just get it as well. Ooh, okay, Mark? I think, okay, I think Matthew McConaughey's performance is far better than Dallas Buyers Club as a movie. And I think that's really important to note here in the same reason why I would argue that Jennifer Lawrence stands out in the American Hustle because Jennifer Lawrence is the best thing about American Hustle. I would argue that Matthew McConaughey and Leto are far and above better than the film that they are in. And also the physical Ooh. transformation. And, yeah, the McConaughey's narrative is, is really strong. Purse, and that's by the way, this is all me basically saying I think he will win. I think he will win. Um, <laughs> I, I love Chiwetelage for I think he's fantastic in the film. I think he does a lot of really like great precision acting, really kind of nailing certain moments. But my 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 gut, my oh so stupid gut, um, wants DiCaprio to win because it, like yeah. on a couple of reasons, partially because I prefer that of the movies that, that's my favorite. Um, also, there is. Maybe it's like the inner TV presenter in me, but I loved the talking to the camera. I loved that, and I thought he nailed that, and in a way that a lot of actors don't. Um, and I like that it was it was a very robust role. Like it got he had to do a lot of different things in terms of uh, operating in a couple of different styles, and also in terms of uh, going from comedy to to, to some really great. Uh, underhanded work and, and really great nuance, and I think it's actually got more scope to the performance than mm-hmm. the others do. That's my argument for why I personally want him to win. But I think the physical transformational stuff, I mean, obviously, is always going to work in favour of McConaughey. It just is, you know. So there's that as well. Interestingly, it's it's Christian Bale's fat to Matthew McConaughey's skinny, and uh, where. <laughs> We're discounting Bale. Do you know what? Where was I mean Tom Hanks? Okay, his accent was kind of terrible in Captain Phillips, but honestly, that last scene, the shock yeah. sequence oh, of Captain yeah. Phillips, has stayed with me. That I was ruined in that scene. That I just looked as soon as I saw that moment, I was like, oh wow, that's there's the Oscar nomination. So I was really shocked. It, to that me, he it's didn't get... I remember literally staring at it, thinking, well, this is what they're going to be playing in the Oscars, and it's going to be hard because it's going to be a yeah. bit of a spoiler. But then again, we all know the the end result. So <laughs> everyone in America yeah. knows Captain Phillips survived. It's fine. Yeah, yeah that's fine. that. That was but the that, thought process. <laughs> that piece of acting was absolutely yeah. extraordinary. Going into shock um, of all of the performances. Um, you know, in the best actor in a leading role category, that's the one that stands out for me and it's not nominated. So, I mean, to go to the ones that that were, um, I don't know, with Matthew McConaughey, I had a really, I remember sitting there watching the film going, am I responding to his skeletal figure or am I responding to his acting? And it was really quite interesting to, to kind of reckon with that and say, well, hang on, is it just because he looks so shocking that he's, that is, or is he actually acting through it can can I see kind of through the skeleton to the actor um so to speak and and in the end I do think he did I do think he kind of it wasn't just the the 
figure. It was his acting, which was extraordinary. So in a magical land where Blue Jasmine is completely disqualified on the basis of some, you know, anti-sex pest rule that has been entered into the Academy, and suddenly Kate Blanchett isn't nominated, and suddenly Kate Blanchett isn't available to be nominated, who would win? Because let's just assume she's going to win, right? Who would you give it to if she was out of the running? Ooh. Actually, I haven't seen August Osage County, so I can't you know, Streepathon, I'm not sure that we can, I can make that call. Oh, to be perfectly honest, oh. Meryl Streep got nominated based on her name. That film isn't as good as, uh, it, she is the weakest in the field to my mind. Um, I okay. think it's a, uh, nah. I, it's a shame because I, 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 nah. I love the play. I love the play. She's stronger than Amy Adams. I reckon she's way stronger than Amy Adams. Oh yeah, no, that's a fair call. That's probably a fair call. I, I but does think... she have the decolletage of Amy Adams? Uh, uh, yeah, no, the the the, the in... centre boob uh, does not yeah. uh, kick in. Um, but uh, no, look, I think it comes down to Judy Dench versus Sandra Bullock, uh, which is right. um, you know, it's a wrestling match I want to see. Uh, but I <laughs> I think I probably. I think I'd probably give to Judy Dench. Some of those scenes, um, particularly in uh, the forgiveness scene, I thought was brilliant. But that's it. Actually, Sandra Bullock's, I, I think I'm partly sort of going sod it. She already got one fairly recently for a film that I wasn't convinced was an Oscar-winning uh, performance. But Sandra Bullock, yeah. now that I think about it, Gravity, she's extraordinary in Gravity and she is, that's a, you know, you could quite easily nominate George Clooney as a supporting actor uh, rather than a, mm-hmm. an actor in that film. And there is just no one else in it except for a voice, uh, which, uh, you know, and so I just think that probably, yeah, I, I think Sandra Bullock probably deserves it. I, yeah, I tend to agree that Sandra Bullock deserves it, but I, I think you're being unfair on Meryl. I think I think that that film is like, I called it angst, Oscar Bay County, but, you know, like, because it is. But she does, <laughs> she does, like, I'd love to know what you think about when you see it, Alice, because there is... There's a lot of like, like bullshit Oscar baiting going on, but there are some amazing moments where she operates on a couple of different levels that are really, really strong. And just for the, there's two or three scenes of that that I think put her well and truly ahead of Amy Adams in, in the mix. And as for Judy Dench, yeah, she's amazing. Like, she, Villamina is just heartbreaking. I think, you know, it just is. Um, and but, race, but and are the Oscars going to give heartbreaking? Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like no, they're no, no, they're not going to do that, right? Like the way the film that they want to tear at your heartstrings is Twelve Years a Slave. So I'm not sure Philomena is going to get love because that's just going to take up all the emotional space of the room. Mm. I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Everyone I, likes kicking the Catholic Church. It's uh, it's <laughs> it is it is it's one of. Uh, one of the topics where it, it's people go, well, no, it's okay to be a bit uh, down on because you know it's we're still kicking the Catholic Church, which is there's years left in that. So, uh, <laughs> but also, that, but um, the, actually, yeah. the amazing distinctive part about that film is is her grace in in yes. like her confounding grace to this organisation that have treated her and thousands of others like awful garbage. Like that was kind one of, of like. That's a very hard thing to capture on screen, you know, and she does. One of the great things that is not talked about enough in acting is status and the way she takes status in those scenes, um, A, with the nuns, but also with Steve Coogan, how she'll suddenly just sort of, you know, take the take the status away from him and it's, a, it's an amazing piece of acting she does when she does it because she keeps sort of occasionally dropping into, you know, doddery old lady and then she'll just suddenly 
own a scene and mm. own um, the status within the scene. And it's just some amazing acting. And it's all so incredibly subtle. Uh, and she never, mm. she never breaks character or goes to melodrama to do it. I think it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing performance. And you know she'd just give an amazing speech as well, right? Like yeah. she would just get up there and she would just command the room for her allotted 30 seconds or minute or whatever they get if you're actually one of the real awards. Um, it would be a sight to see for sure. But look, I'm sure I'm sure Kate Blanchett will will do one too, so we can all cheer on our our Aussie girl for the win. That's that's great. Huh. What about directing though? We've um we've bashed a bit of American Hustle. Do we reckon David O. Russell's gonna get up there? Mark, nope. What do you think? <laughs> Giles, what do you think? No, uh, I think I, I like I said I, I I think American Hustle is a movie that doesn't uh, its structure is odd. Uh, and it, I think it gets better as it goes along, and and maybe that's why I enjoyed it more on a rewatch because I kind of I sustained the earlier parts easier. But I do think for me, again, it's a two way battle between. Well, oh, actually, hmm, no, no, no. Actually, so this is the thing. This is going to be that one of those weird scenarios where they give something best film, but they don't give a best director. And I, yeah. think if Gravity isn't going to win best film, which he you know, may not, I would say you'd have to say that gravity as a as a technical achievement, as an exercise in precision tension, as an exercise in creating a world out of very little, I would say that probably has to win. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd go a step further and say it does all of that stuff and is never heavy-handed with any of it. Like, the amount of times that that could have got lost in its own technical accomplishment, and yet you were mm. still always engaged in the story. He got a great performance out of someone who was trapped in a spacesuit a lot of the time. He did some mm. amazing long shots that worked incredibly mm-hmm. well. Uh, and on the flip side, I think the politics of Steve McQueen being British is going to end up killing him for some reason, as we talked about with that episode. They just... There is this part of America that are quietly sitting there going, I'm not sure a Brit should have made that film, which is just dumb mm. on so many levels and hypocritical. But uh, but as thankfully no one... Mark is face palming yeah. and yeah. unless Do you, you want to know, know what that sound that is. Noise. But uh, th- thankfully as there is uh, no uh, representative from space to get angry that a Mexican director made a space film on their behalf, uh, then we can safely say that I, I think it both should and will go to quite on to my mind. Yeah, I would love to see Cloron win. He, he seems to be doing a lot of press lately, so he's definitely getting in on the, the Oscar game, telling the story, you know, this was so many years in the making, et cetera, et cetera. He just really seems like a good guy, though. Like, he, mm. you know, he just he seems like such a, a wonderful filmmaker, thoughtful filmmaker, and I'm not saying that any of the others aren't. I just had the, the pleasure of listening to a few interviews with him. I've heard you bitch um, about Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese. What's that guy done? Whatever. Um, it's not going to be, it's not going to be his year. I don't think. Uh, and I kind of agree with you. I think Steve McQueen did an extraordinary job. Um, and we all know that I love long, long takes and I think gravity does some beautiful long takes, but still that, that steady cam sequence, the whipping sequence in 12 years a slave is, is nothing short of extraordinary. Um, I, and you know, that's, that's cinematography, but I think also the, the direction of, of both films are very, very different, but the, the level of nuance that's required in both of them to not overplay the emotion, um, but to keep you moving through, the story with such a sure hand. I think both of them do. I think it's going to go to Quaron though. Seeing as I did just kind of go into cinematography a little bit uh, with my 
reveling about long takes. Should we have a, a quick look at the best cinematography? Um, we're going to give it to Gravity. Manuel Lubezki. Yeah, yeah. Gravity. Yeah, well, it, I, and, Gravity's and also, a lock as far as I'm concerned. He's not the only one who didn't film in black and white, but it did seem to be a major requirement if you wanted to get a nomination this year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's interesting though because it's gonna. If he does win, it's gonna create all the same issues that happened when Life Pi was nominated for best cinematography, where they were like, "It's all computer generated; it doesn't count." But like, as if there's not very deep intertwining of those two uh, skill sets in modern filmmaking these days. Well, also agreed. It, uh, but it also, it's a bit naive because it, it, that statement basically implies that you think the cinematographer is the one carrying the camera. And I'll totally. give you a tip. On these films, there is there are camera units. There are huge. The cinematographer is thinking about lighting and camera placement. And if it, even if it's a freaking artificial camera, there is genuine cinematography in a Pixar film, and there is brilliant cinematography in a Pixar film. Mm. The crew should have been nominated. Absolutely, <laughs> it is a it is a genuine art form to because it is. In a very literal sense, if you think about painting, the, the, the cinematographer is in a lot, large way responsible for the frame and for the, the composition of what's being seen. And it doesn't matter if it's coming through a lens onto film. It doesn't matter if it's coming onto digital. It doesn't matter if it's digital onto digital. It is cinematography. It's not, it's, this isn't the camera operator that we're talking about. Mm. Right. So true. And you think about the, the best kind of example of the fusion of those things is, is that opening scene in Gravity where it's that long take and you just see where the camera just moves effortlessly from outside to within her helmet. Yep. So it just kind of steps through that and it just in completely elegant, completely seamless, and that's because of the VFX can make it completely seamless to move within her helmet. But the the balletic nature of that shot is the cinematographer. Like that's, he has the, he has crafted that shot such that you experience the awe of space in in such an extraordinary way. Oh, that scene is totally stuck with me. Okay, gents, the big one, best picture. Do we have favourites? Is there a debate? We've already kind of mm. kind of outlined that it's might do it might go best director and then different best picture to kind of split the split the field. Twelve years a slave, surely, surely. No, I, I actually no? genuinely disagree. I, if I'm doing should, I'm in a debate between Gravity and Dallas Buyers Club. I think I think Ooh. Dallas Buyers Club is brilliant. I'm probably would on should go to Gravity. I think I just remember Gravity. The response we all had, and by we all, don't even just mean the three of us. Like all the people who walked out of those critic screenings were in shock. I mean, we looked like Tom Hanks does at the end of Captain Phillips. <laughs> and given the topic matter, I, I, I think it, it adds, pun intended, it adds gravity to a non-politically or emotionally loaded storyline. Like, I think that, you know, it, the 12 Years a Slave gets a huge step up from its topic matter. So does Dallas Buyers Club. So does Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I think the two that, you know, the, the two that you're looking at that are sort of doing incredibly well to get as far as they did are American Hustle and Gravity. I've already said I don't think American Hustle is nearly as good as it's being, uh, being lauded to be. So I think I'd end up giving it to Gravity just on a sheer achievement level. But I do think Dallas Buyers Club is brilliant. Okay, so hang on. That's the should win or yeah. the will win? Uh, that's should for now. I'll, I, I think I think it'll go to 12 years <laughs> well, slave, but I really don't think it should. Yeah, so that was my one. My one when I was saying surely 12 years a slave, that's what's going to win. 
Mark, what do you think should win versus will win? Should be gravity, pure and simple. Um, I think gravity is... Yeah, I mean, Giles articulated it really well. It was giving gravity to something that doesn't already come with emotional baggage. You know, like I think emotional baggage attached to slavery and emotional baggage attached to uh, some of the other things is not certainly not easy. You know, by no means is it easy, but I do think that gravity created something that we have not seen before. Uh, and it was thrilling, and uh, it's a very focused narrative. I think some people complain that there's not more kind of broader, you know, cinematic landscape where she's got more subtext and stuff like that. I, I love the immediacy of it. I love how the focus of it. But in yeah, I, I think Gravity should win. I don't. I I don't definitely don't think. I th- I would. I don't think Dallas Buyers Club should win. I think Dallas Buyers Club is a great performance and 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 a generally pretty good film, but it gets flabby and repetitive in the second half. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I also, I also think Wolf of Wall Street is brilliant. I, I, I think Wolf of Wall Street is, is a brilliant film, but in terms of who will win, yeah, I think we're looking at 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. I feel like people are, are much too, I mean, 12 Years a Slave is a film that is going to live on. Like 12 Years a Slave, we'll be studying and in 50 years. It's, it's one of those watershed films. Um, and I think it will win the best picture. I'm going to agree with you guys, though, in terms of a film that was awesome in all meanings of the word, Gravity just blew my tiny mind. Um, even even the more saccharine moments that I just wished they'd kept with silence because they were doing so well with, with silence, uh, I just think in terms of sheer filmmaking achievement, Gravity should win Best Picture in terms of a historic achievement and and the importance of an important film, I think 12 Years a Slave is, is going to win out for that for that reason. It's such a cliche thing to say, but I actually think they are really good this year and they are really distinct and different and they offer such different things. That, you know, what 12 Years a Slave and what Gravity give you are so different and the emotional reactions they give you are so different, but they both take your breath away. They are both like these films that just kind of hold you in sway and don't let you go. Like it's, but they do it in just totally different ways. It's just, yeah. yeah. And as we come back to what you said at the beginning, Mark, which is you're comparing, you know, apples and oranges, and yet mm. you're trying to say one's one's better than the other. Like it's, you know, it is an incredibly strong field, um, and you know, in that way, you can just say all of cinema wins, really, <laughs> right? <laughs> And that's why Alice Cinema. isn't hosting the Oscars this week. Cinema wins. Can you imagine if they're just like, Do you know what? You're all you're all winners. In Everybody my gets eyes. a that's gold it. star. Yeah, <laughs> but they have but to pay is, for like, it. As film, as film critics, though, it's really great that you can look at the best picture you know, breakdown nominees and just be like, oh, I could make a solid argument for yeah. For all of them, for different, you know, for different reasons. And, and it is, an, you know, it's extraordinary uh, to be able to look through those and just and be thrilled, be thrilled for what, you know, cinema has had to offer this year. I genuinely believe that even if that's never going to happen and Harvey Weinstein would kill me for giving everyone a gold star because isn't the, the rebate or isn't the collection on a Best Picture win some extraordinary amount of money in terms of sales? Oh, well, yeah. it depends. It used to be a lot bigger than it is now. Um, they used to say, I think the, the story is that Chicago got a $25 million bump from having one Best Picture because also I think that was a little bit of a surprise year or perhaps not a surprise year, but that it was a, 
in a film in a, in a, uh, a, a musical genre, telling its musical and acclaimed uh, in, the, in the brand proposition to the audience lifted it greatly. But um, I guess the, the issue for the Harvey Weinsteins of the world is that the amount of money you spend on an Oscars campaign, um, you know, so it can be anywhere between ten to fifteen million dollars. Uh, sometimes even higher than that, but they've had to. They're basically in the last two three years, uh, the Academy have cracked down on a lot of rules about uh, what you can and can't do, and when you can and can't do screenings and lunches and Q and A's and all the sort of shit that they used to do to, to get people to vote for Oscars. So uh, the amount of money they're spending has lessened partially because uh, the brand the the ability to make money from an Oscars is, is, is a little bit more um, nebulous now. It's, it's not a clear cert that, you know, winning an Oscar will necessarily give you 25, 35 million more dollars. So it's, it's, it's become Although, a bit more complicated. But that said, I mean, it got, Argo got a re-release last year, um, once it had won. So, I mean, you know, there yeah. are certainly uh, situations under which it literally will give you a uh, new box office cachet. And then, and this is, I'm going to use this as a terrible segue, but it's also, uh, it, it can have a good impact. And I genuinely hope that the act of killing wins uh, the best documentary uh, because I think Joshua Oppenheimer will give a pretty impressive speech. Uh, and he's already, uh, I had, you may drink, when I spoke to him, uh, yeah. he, <laughs> he was saying that uh, the Oscar nomination was the first time that the Indonesian government finally officially acknowledged the existence of the act of killing. And so, mm. you know, a win would probably push the uh, the killings and the mobster killings in, in Indonesia further into the spotlight. So, you know, this is the advantage of an Oscar win can be different in a variety of ways, but it is, you know, certain films uh, and, and certain smaller films, you know, even just for winning a, a smaller or lesser award, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, can get a huge buzz out of it and can actually have a genuine impact. Tell you who I think it'll actually help most uh, is actually Gravity because Gravity, yeah. if they do a re-release, uh, they can do a re-release with uh, IMAX and 3D releases that will actually are uh, infinitely more profitable. Um, now, Gravity made tons of money already, so Gravity's, it's not like Gravity's operating a loss or anything like that, but the other movies, uh, people can still go, oh, that's really good, I'll get that on DVD. If you re-release Gravity mm. after it wins Best Film, everyone will see that on a cinema, you charge three times as much, and you're looking at a very, very solid payday, as opposed to, oh, yeah, Dallas Buyers Cup is really good, it's nice, and it won the Oscar, I'll totally get that out on DVD. You know, which is a... a Never di- happen. Yeah, yeah, it's a different proposition, and nowhere near as profitable one. Yeah, Definitely. All right, fellas, for your consideration, we've uh, spelled it all out. We should actually work these out into a ballot and see see how we do, hey? Yeah. And to our listeners, thanks so much for downloading this special Oscars episode of The Spoiler Guys. We'll bring you more from The Spoiler Guys soon. Because I'm happy.